Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Today's message comes from Pastor Chris Ria. Good morning, everyone. It's good to worship with you this morning. Thanks for joining us online. We are going to start a new two-part series called Rituals today, and I'm going to be doing both parts of those, and I'm excited about it. And the word ritual can be defined like this, a series of actions or type of behavior regularly and invariably followed by someone. The word ritual and habit, they kind of go hand in hand. And there have been dozens of books written on the topic of habits. Because at the end of the day, really, our life becomes a sum of the rituals and the habits that we have, both good and bad. Some people have really good rituals. Some people have some unhealthy rituals. But whatever it is, our life becomes what we do on a regular basis over and over and over again. So I want to give you a few examples of some healthy rituals that some people have. Going to bed at a decent hour. Getting a good night's sleep, that's a healthy ritual. You have less stress in your life, you'll feel better during the day. Exercising regularly, that's another example of a good ritual. Eating healthy meals consistently, another good ritual. Spending time in prayer and God's word daily is an incredible healthy ritual that will literally change the way we live our lives. I'll never forget as a kid, I would wake up for school in the morning, elementary school, junior high school, high school. I'd wake up in the morning often, more times than not, walking out into the living room to find both of my parents praying, seeking God, reading his word together. That's how I would wake up. And I would see them spending time with the Father. And at the time, I didn't really care that much about it, but now I look back at it and I say, wow, that was a spiritual ritual that they had every morning, that they would seek God's face to start their day, that they would want to be led by the Spirit of God each and every day. They would pray for us, they'd pray for their family, they'd pray for the church, they'd pray for just God to lead them and guide them. And I thought, man, what a, what a healthy ritual that was. On top of that, every morning we would sit down for breakfast as a family. And I look back at this, I'm like, it's like six in the morning. My parents sit down for breakfast as a family. And my mom would sit there and read my brother and I a devotional, start to finish. That was every single morning. She'd open up this little Our Daily Bread. How many remember that Our Daily Bread devotional? And she'd read it, whether we would pay attention to it or not, she would read it to us every morning. And what she was trying to do is create in us this habit, this ritual. Maybe we weren't ready to do it on our own yet, but she was showing us 
that it's important to develop healthy rituals, healthy habits. And if you can develop the ritual of seeking God in the morning, reading his word, praying, it literally can change the course of your life. Taking care of our souls is a healthy ritual that I think we neglect at times. But the ability to not shove our pain and our hurt and our trauma down, but being able to talk about it, talking about it with a friend, a counselor, a pastor, a mentor, journaling through some of the tough things in our day, learning to just take time to rest, rest our minds, shut off the screens, and just sit and rest and be. These are healthy rituals in our life that can change the way we live. Coming to church, very healthy ritual that creates community. And when a community comes together, there's no telling what that community can do for the kingdom of God. $15,000 given to the Ukraine right now. We're stronger together than we could ever be apart. And that's what the power of having a church family and community going after a vision together can be. It's powerful. It's a ritual that we should all have in our lives. It's a healthy one. I could go on and on, joining a small group, healthy ritual, getting around a smaller group of community where you can participate and do life together and learn something together. Healthy rituals. Then we have some unhealthy rituals in our lives as well, if we're honest. And this isn't meant to bring condemnation or to shame anyone. It's just meant to identify a few things that we develop over time that maybe can lead to some unhealthy things in our lives. Getting four hours of sleep because we're binge watching the latest Netflix show probably isn't the best practice long term in your life. Sitting and laying around all day instead of being active and getting exercise, probably not the best ritual. Eating comfort food at every single meal, probably not the best ritual, even though, come on, I, I like to do that from time to time. Replacing our spiritual growth time, replacing our Bible time and prayer time with social media, probably not the best long-term ritual if we're going to find joy, peace, and hope in this life. Feeding our flesh more than feeding our spirit over time becomes a ritual that can lead to dark places instead of light places. So you get the point. We develop every single day, every single week, every single month, every single year, we develop rituals, either good or bad, that lead to outcomes in our life and shape the way that we live. That's why it's super important to understand rituals and habits and to develop some good ones. Because in this life, if we don't have a plan to go after the healthy rituals, oftentimes we get sucked into the unhealthy ones. Deuteronomy 30 says it this way. See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. 
right there. God is pretty much saying in this world, you have the choice. I've set before you the ability to develop healthy habits and rituals that give life, but right next to it, you can choose if you want to, to participate in unhealthy rituals and habits that are going to lead to death and destruction. He goes on to say, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if you turn, if your heart turns away, and you are not obedient if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now when you read this, it can seem a little harsh. It can seem like a threat. If you do this, you'll be okay. If you do this, you won't. It's really not a threat as much as it is truth. He's not saying, I'm going to punish you. He's saying right here, you have the ability to choose life. You have the ability to walk with God and seek his face and hear directly from him. You have the ability to walk with him daily. You have the ability to be led by his spirit. And he put out a few commands to you and says, if you walk like this, you will have an abundant and a blessed life. However, on this side of the road, you have all these other nations around you and they have no idea who I am and they've gotten involved in some really weird, detestable things. And if you're not walking with me and if you're not hearing my voice and if you're not being led by my spirit, you're gonna be tempted to walk down this path. And this leads to death and destruction, literally. He's not saying that, okay, this is just some things that you shouldn't do. He's saying that the, you will develop rituals and habits that will lead to your literal death or spiritual death because these things are unhealthy for you. They're not going to be good for you long term. So choose life. Choose life. Our, God gives us the choice. In the New Testament, Paul says it this way. Galatians 6, 7 through 9 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. 
So Paul puts it this way. Whatever you sow, you will reap. If you plant watermelons, you're going to get watermelons. You can't plant watermelons and get corn. What you sow, you will reap. And it's the same thing for life. Those of us who are sowing the principles of God into our life, those who are putting spiritual truth in God's wisdom and are living according to the Spirit will reap godly spiritual wisdom and godly spiritual choices. You will be able to say no to the flesh, but those who live just according to the flesh, those who say, you know what? I don't know about this book anymore. There's some things I don't agree with. I'm gonna set it aside. Those who live according to just what they see, what they can taste, what they can touch, and what just seems right to them, all of a sudden, they start going down this path and you reap what you sow down this path. It leads to doubt. It leads to not being in tune with what the Holy Spirit is doing on the earth. So God says, I set before you life and death. You can choose. They're both in front of you. Which one are you going to go after? It's March. Technically now, 81% of us have given up on our New Year's resolution. 81%. If you're in the 19%, congratulations. You're doing it. You're going after it. But now on top of quitting these healthy rituals or healthy habits that you set out at the first of the year, now you didn't just not accomplish those things, but now you got a side of guilt and shame to go with it, right? And that gets deep down into our souls. It affects our mental health and it pushes further and further and further away. It takes a bigger toll on our life. We start to think we are failures. We start to think that we don't have discipline. Our self-worth is affected. How we view ourselves is affected. And then when that image of ourself begins to get affected in a negative way, spirit, soul, and body is all affected. So we now decline spiritually, emotionally, and physically because we're dealing with guilt, shame, failure, disappointment. And then we think we are the sum of those things. And that's, that's hard. I mean, the Apostle Paul writes about this in Romans 7. He puts it this way in Romans 7 verse 14. He says, we know the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual. Sold as a slave to sin, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. How many people can relate to that? He goes on to say in verse 18, for I know the good itself does not dwell in me, that is, that is it, in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep doing. 
This is the conundrum we find ourselves in. We want to create spiritual rituals. We want to be healthy spirit, soul, and body. We set out for it. We make goals to do it. We're going to do it this time. We're going to live this way. And we find ourselves failing. And I love what Paul says in verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now let me give you a little context of what Paul's talking about here in Romans 7. He's talking about living under the old way of the law versus living by the new way of the Spirit. When Jesus died and rose again, the old way of the law went away to the new way of the Spirit. We have the Spirit. The laws and commands are written on our hearts. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is leading us. He's guiding us in all truth. But before Paul was a Christian, he was a religious Pharisee. He had so many different religious rituals. And one of those rituals was observing the law of Moses. And the law of Moses was what the law that God gave Moses in the desert. You see, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They finally get free, and now they're living as their own people under a leader named Moses. And Moses, God says, listen, they got to live by a few sets of rules. We need some boundaries. Because if we don't have any rules or any boundaries to live by in any society, in any culture, in any state, in any nation, things are going to get messy fast. So he gave him a set of Ten Commandments, live by these. Over the course of time, those Ten Commandments became 613 different commandments that the Pharisees came up with and put on the Israelites to live their lives a certain way. The problem is when you have 613 things not to do and you're trying to memorize all these things, what are you always focusing on? What not to do. And whenever we focus on what not to do, we end up doing the thing we're focusing on not to do because it's always in our mind. No one could live up to this standard of 613 laws and follow them every, all the time. So this was the Apostle Paul's life. Before Christ, he was this angry, judgmental man. And the reason he was angry and judgmental was because he was a leader of men, but he knew he couldn't, fo- he couldn't follow all 613 laws. But he had to act like he did. You see, the Pharisees had to act like they followed every law perfectly, even though no one could. And so he became angry and judgmental because he was angry and judgmental against himself. See, anger is a secondary emotion, usually tied to guilt or shame or insecurity. This is why I think Christians are so judgmental of other people, especially non-Christians, but also other Christians, is because we're not living up to the standard we set in our heart or we think God wants for our lives, so we're constantly in guilt, shame, and it comes out as angry and judgmental. The most angry and judgmental people that I have found are usually the one with the most sin issue in their life, and they're really angry and judgmental with themselves. That's usually what happens. That's usually how it goes. And this was no different for Paul. 
So Paul took that anger and he started persecuting Christians and then he became a Christian himself. And he realized why Jesus had to die. Jesus had to die because we were human beings who could not live perfectly. You saw it in the entire Old Covenant. Every time God tried to give the Israelites a law, they'd be good for a while and then they'd fall back. They'd be good for a while and then they'd fall back. It's because it's impossible on our own to create healthy rituals that lead to true spiritual life change and connection to God. We need help. We need a savior. We need someone to take away our shame, our sin, our guilt, and redeem us and set us free from the law of sin and death. And that's what Paul's talking about. This is what he says earlier in Romans 7. 7, 4, he says, so my brothers and sisters, you also died to the law through the body of Christ that you might belong to another to him who was raised from the dead in order that we might bear fruit for God. For when we were in the realm of the flesh, the sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in us so that we bore fruit for death. But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law. We've been released from the law so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. We are under a new law, the law of the spirit leading us, the word of God leading us. Paul's saying we have to change our focus and our mindset if we're gonna develop healthy rituals and actually live this thing out for Christ. This is why so many Jewish people could not put their faith in Christ back in the day. They were so used to commands. They were so used to the law. They were so used to just tell me what to do and I'll do it and I please God that way. And now all of a sudden Jesus died on the cross and he says, no, you're not under that. Now seek my face. Have intimacy with me. Take communion and remember what I did for you on the cross. I redeemed you. I set you free. Put your faith and your hope in me. Tell other people about me. This is the fulfillment of the law. I am the fulfillment of the law. They just, they just couldn't do it. They couldn't think. A lot of them just couldn't wrap their mind around a new covenant because they were so wrapped up in the old way of doing things. But Jesus became what's called substitutionary atonement. Means he died in our place for our sin. Rose again to become the fulfillment of the law. The son of God. Curtain torn. We can go directly to God with nothing in the way now. This is powerful. And I think the reason we fail is because we're focusing on the ritual the ritual we're focusing on is what we should do instead of who we're doing it for. And I think we need to focus on who before do. If we're going to be successful in this life, if we're going to develop any kind of spiritual rituals that lead to life, good habits, good rituals, it starts with understanding who we are 
not what we need to do. And too many people get that mixed up. In an effort to please God, we want to do for God. But God is saying, listen, focus on me first. Seek first the kingdom of God. Then what? Then all these things will be added unto you. We try to work on adding all the things instead of doing the simplest one of all. Just seeking God's face. He's like, I sent everything just to be with you. That's really what I desire is just to be with you. Just to spend time with you. Just to know you. Since the beginning, in the garden, God created Adam and Eve just to know his creation, to walk with them daily. It took years and years and years before we could get that opportunity through Christ. We have that opportunity to walk daily with God. And that's what he desires most of us, most from us, to focus on him. Because in him we find an identity that we can't find anywhere else. Romans 7.10 says this, Paul says, I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. The very things that he was trying to follow to please God actually pulled him away from God. And then he says it again in verse 7.24, what a wretched man I am who will rescue me from this body that's subject to death. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, you can't do this on your own. You can't quit an unhealthy habit on your own. You can try and try, but you need help. You can't develop very healthy habits on your own. You need a focus. You need to understand who you are in Christ. See, the way we see ourselves determines our beliefs, determines our mindsets, and then determines our behaviors. If we see ourselves as failures, people who make a mistake time and time again, people who cannot follow through on anything, if we see ourselves full of the sum of our mistakes, that's how we'll operate will operate from a defeated identity. An identity that says I'm a failure. An identity that says I can't do anything right in this life. And a lot of people are operating from a defeated mindset. And we wonder why we can't take ground. We wonder why we can't get over certain things. We wonder why we can't create new habits or rituals. It's because we're operating. We're already defeated. We don't even know it. That's what Paul said. What I hate, I do. I keep doing it. But who can rescue me? Thanks be to God. What he's doing is he's changing his focus from himself and his failures. You are not the sum of your failures. When you can look at yourself and your identity is this, I'm a righteous son or daughter of the living God. And I'm only righteous because of what Christ did, not because of anything I do. I am led by the Spirit of God. I make wise and godly decisions. 
I occasionally fail, but I'm not a failure. And I'm not defined by my failures. I'm defined as a child of the King. If we could actually believe that, creating new rituals in our lives wouldn't be that hard. If we actually believe that this God in heaven is actually proud of us and loves us, and thinks the world of us even though we occasionally fail, even though we get caught in unhealthy rituals and patterns, he still loves us. He's still crazy about us. He still has his spirit in us and he's saying, come to me all you are weary and I will give you rest. It's never over with God. You've never gone too far. He's waiting with open arms and all you gotta do is say, God, today's the day I rededicate my life to you. Today's the day I start seeking your face. Today's the day I start believing that you're for me and not against me. Today's the day I put my faith, my trust, my hope in you and I begin to seek you more than I ever have. And when we do that, man, it's a game changer in our lives. It changes our mindset. And when our mindset changes to a healthy self-worth instead of a negative one, it empowers us to consistently create spirit, soul, and body healthy habits that we couldn't do on our own. So let's bow our heads for prayer. We're going to receive communion this morning. Just before we do, Amanda's going to play this song. And I just want you to receive this song. I just want you to let her sing it over you. And I want you to reflect on your life with Christ right now. Where are you at the habit of seeking him and having an identity as a son or daughter of the king instead of a defeated identity and mindset? Just reflect on that while she sings this song and then we'll receive communion. Yesterday, I came up here to the church. I like to do that sometimes on Saturday, just kind of come up when no one's in the room, kind of go over the message, pray through some of the thoughts. When I was done kind of going over the message, I put that song on, and I literally hit my knees right here on the stage and repented because I just felt like if we just did what this song is saying, if we just believed it, our whole lives would be different. You satisfy me. You make me happy. Every part of my heart, every part of my soul, you're my desire. And if we believed that, and we walked in that, There's no telling what our lives would look like. And it's possible because of this cup and the bread that we're about to take. You can get it out now if you want. The bread represents the body of Christ 
that was bruised and broken. And the cup represents the blood of Christ that was shed for the redemption of our sin. And Jesus told us to do this often. Every time we break bread or drink this cup to remember it's not about us. It's about him. He did what we couldn't do. He did what the law couldn't do. He set us free. He redeemed us. He saved us. He forgave us. And he didn't stop there. He put his spirit in us. And he said, now you have what it takes. Don't forget that you're not alone. Don't forget that you're not doing this life on your own. Remember me. This isn't just some story, some myth, some fiction. This happened and it's reality. And if we put our faith and trust and hope in what this cup represents, if we remember it and drink of it, we have a promise of God. We will operate in an identity of knowing Christ, living for him, walking with him, being led by his spirit, remembering what he did. And I'm telling you, when we do that, developing healthy rituals in our life, they'll come a lot easier because we're not doing them alone. So let's take the bread and let's drink the cup together. And as you're doing that, I would like everybody to stand. We're going to have Amanda sing this chorus one more time. Sing this song one more time. And we're going to sing it as a declaration from the place, not out of guilt or shame or condemnation, but from the communion table from the place that he paid it all, that he's allowed us to have this kind of relationship with him, that he set us free. Let's sing this together. Father, we thank you. You are our desire. Only you will satisfy God, I know there's people in this room who have been walking with you for a long time and have just got out of the spiritual habit of worship and prayer and reading your word and walking with you daily. It's easy to do. Lord, I pray they would not be convicted in this moment, but I pray, Lord, they would have a new identity and mindset that says every single morning that they hear you say, I'm here and I just want to know you. I just want to walk with you. And I pray from that place we would all develop this new ritual or habit of walking with you daily. Intimately walking with you. Thank you for making that possible on the cross. In Jesus' name, amen.
before I dismiss you, I have one challenge for you this week, okay? Amanda played this song. It's called You Satisfy Me. And according to our announcements, you are now able to download that from our Spotify playlist. I would love for you to start your morning every day with that song this week. As soon as you get up, grab that smartphone, put on this song, and start your day singing those words to the Lord. And let's see in a week what kind of week we have. God bless you guys as you go. Have a great day. As always, if anyone needs prayer, the altars are open. We have a prayer team that can pray with anyone who needs a little extra prayer. God bless you as you go. Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.